0: Fantastic. Well, we're going to get into it today. We're just going to talk all things family life, marriage. We talked sex yesterday, so that's all covered. I hope you did your homework last night for the married couples that needed to do that. But today, we're going to talk more family life. We're going to talk more about marriage, friendship, and all the other relationships in your world to make sure that they're strong and they're healthy. But before we do, tell us a little bit about how city life, Kevin and Marilyn. Give us a bit of an update on how things are and what you've been up to in the last few months.
1: I was just thinking this morning that uh, in 1997 when we resigned from our church on the central coast, Mel and I said to each other, well, what are we going to do now? And we said, well, let's go to Hillsong Church. It was Hills Christian Life Centre then. And uh, let's just make that our church home and let's just go itinerant. So we went down and I shared it with Brian and Bobby. And then Brian and Bobby got us up on the platform and they announced that we are going to be Uh, Hills Christian Life Centre based, and we are going to be itinerant ministries around Australia and the world. Well, three weeks later, after Brian and Bobby making that announcement, we weren't there anymore uh, because a church in Newcastle had asked us to come and pastor it, and we were there for six months. And then we came back to Hillsong, and then of course we came here. I'm telling you all of that to tell you this that. In 1997, we registered a ministry called Pace International Incorporated. Sounds very highfaluting, uh, but now that that doing that in 97 was a stroke of genius, because now, now with the Royal Commission and the Charities Commission, to be able to do what we're doing now—to run a ministry independent of a church. And bringing funds in from the church and be able to be a charity, without being charged GST, etc., etc. Uh, it was quite it was quite a move. So you can go on Paysetters International Incorporated, and you can see how much we've we're gonna we've earned this year. You can see what our income was. You can see what our expenditure is. Graeme Kirkwood is our accountant for that ministry. He does all of our base state, best statements. He's been doing that since 1998. And so now we're in a position where we can earn unlimited income and we can be a charity, we can give to various organizations. So it's just amazing how God works. I'm just telling you that to, to just say how God's been ahead of the game and we didn't know what this would mean for us as a, as a ministry being, not we're part of the church, but we're, but we're an independent ministry. And then Billy Graham Association approached me and said, would you come and work for us? We'll pay you $65,000 a year just for, for nine months if you would help us promote the Franklin Graham visit to Sydney in February next year. And he said, if you, we'll pay you that, and what we want you to do is pull all the Pentecostal churches in so that they will get behind this crusade. And I went away and prayed about it for two days, and Marilyn and I had a long discussion, and I said... I just felt the Lord say to me, no, don't, don't trust in the salary and don't, don't trust in what this could bring for you. Just trust me. Well, the really interesting thing is that Scott Lenning, who was Dr. Billy Graham's crusade director, has become a really good friend because he was the one that came out from America to interview me in Sydney and asked me if I would take on the job and then I ultimately said no. But it's just amazing how God works. So, last, if you follow me on Instagram, you would have seen me in St. Andrew's Cathedral leading the prayer for one group, pastors and leaders, uh, for the Franklin Graham Crusade. What what that has done for us is open up a whole new world. There was a guy here yesterday called Sean Nolan who is working with the Billy Graham Association as an assistant in this Franklin Crusade. And it's just opened up a world for me with him. For example, he, is, um, he works for the Open Brethren, and he's planning a church in uh, Parramatta. And I, I've had no connections with the Open Brethren, but he's asked me to mentor him, Marilyn and I to coach them, and all of his staff and all of his leaders. He's been offered three churches around Sydney. And it's just amazing how God works. So I'm telling you all of that to say... It's just been a stroke of genius for us to do what we have done and to look at Ben and Amy yesterday and to sit in the front row as they were doing what they were doing and seeing how they put this conference together. I just think God is amazing. These guys are doing a brilliant job. The church is growing. I'm so excited to see all the new faces that are coming back, the people that didn't like me have come back, and, uh, and Marilyn, and it's just great to see the church growing. And I say that in all seriousness, you know, like... I am so thrilled. Do I miss pastoring? Not for one second. I don't miss pastoring. I love you. But I, and I say that sincerely, but I don't miss pastoring. I don't miss one part of it because we're stepping into what God said in, nine, in 1983, you're going to be a father to the next generation. And I thought, how would that ever happen? How could Marilyn and I ever be a father and a mother to the next generation? But in 2018, it's actually happening. So be patient. God works. So we love city life. It is absolutely fantastic. We love where we live. We love the locals. We go down to the local hotel called the Carrington where we can take our dog Milo. There's a menu for the dog as well as a menu for us. And uh, it's my local hangout for reaching unchurched people. I've got a locals card and I go in there and I sit at the bar and I talk to all these unchurched people. Hillsong Waterloo is our home church and it's just Nathan who's the lead pastor of uh, Waterloo texted me this morning and said we're praying for you in Maryland as you're at City Church this morning and it's just great to have that connection it's the church where we started Central Coast in 1980 we were launched from that church and it's just amazing how God fits it all together so sometimes not until you get older you look back how God works you want to add to that
2: well, for the last 12 weeks, I mean, I'm really loving city life as well. And, of course, the first few weeks we were there, I was running and walking around. Um, well, not, not running so much because my feet were really sore, weren't they? Um, but walking all the green spaces around us, it's really beautiful. We're only 10 minutes' walk from Centennial Park. So it was. it's a regular thing for us just to wander around the park and take the dog and, you know, just sit and chill and watch the ducks sometimes. It's just, it's just a really nice life. And, it's, and I've always said to Kevin, I don't really care where I live. Uh, we have lived in a lot of places. And uh, I said, as long as I can see trees and hear birds. And uh, every street where we live is tree-lined. And birds everywhere. And the first morning we woke up, I was so happy to hear birds right in the middle of the city. So um, I'm, I'm very happy. Um, but for the last 12 weeks, I've been recovering from foot surgery, which I'm very happy I've had it done. And it's just happened at the right time because Kevin was able to look after me and wait on me, hand and feet. <laughs> And uh, his, fa- his favourite saying even now is, don't overdo it. Uh, yes, dear. Okay. Uh, so I've been saying, peel me a grape uh, for the last 12 weeks. <laughs> and as a result, I've got good feet now. <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, so looking forward to getting back into exercise and all of that stuff. It's really good. So
0: good. good. I love how you've got a little bell next to the bed now. You can just do that. (laughs) That's fantastic. Well, let's get into it with um, just talking about family life. One of the things that uh, I've heard you say many times, Kev, is you've said the greatest church that I'll ever pastor is my own family. And it's something that I think has been ingrained in all of us that have called City Church home for the last few years uh, because it is a great reminder about the fact that it's great to have principles that we come to church and we can kind of apply, but we've got to take them home. Yeah. And we've got to make sure that we're living it at home and, and being real in our family life. And so, I just wanted to ask, yeah. what's some things you've learned over the years? You've got an incredible family. Um, to, to kind of have a healthy family. Some things that you've learnt through um, you know, good decisions that you've made, but even things that you've gone through and you've gone, oh, if I could go back in time, um, I'd do that better, I'd make an adjustment there. What's some things that have really helped you kind of foster having a healthy family, and a healthy home environment?
2: Um, I think one of the things, well, I know that one of the things that we've always um, been very, very um, intent on is making church fun and exciting for our kids. And even though we've been pastors for 44 years and uh, when our kids were born... It was. we didn't have any close family. We didn't have parents close by who we could sort of leave the kids with. And um, we just the, the kids just came with us everywhere and slept on church hall floors and under tables and all sorts of things. So, you know, they just came with us and were with us in everything we, we did while we planted a church on the central coast. And uh, it was just fun. It was never, oh, we have to go to church again. In fact, I remember saying to our girls... One Sunday afternoon, uh, you need to go and have a sleep, you know, after lunch. And uh, I remember Laura saying, "I don't want to go. On, I don't want to go and have a sleep." I said, "Oh, okay then. Well, we won't go to church tonight then." Oh no, no, it's okay. Oh no, please, I want to go to church. You know, so I think that's pretty good. You know, pretty good um, outcome for just yeah. making church exciting. And and yeah. and even though there were lots of difficult times. I mean, as a pastor, there are a lot of difficulties. Um, you know, when you're dealing with people, and uh, you know, there are lots of people who don't like you. Like like Kevin said, it's, it, it just happens, yeah. and, um, and and it's just it was just one of the things that we decided not to do to talk about the difficult times in, in, within earshot of the children. They never knew, really. Well, I don't think they did. I think Laura was a bit of an eavesdropper, but uh, we never. We, never, we always made sure that we didn't talk about the negative stuff that was happening. And so, yeah, that's one of, that's one of the things that, that I have thought of.
1: And I think if I can add to that, I always saw myself as a father first before a pastor of a church. Yes. So for, that's why I focused on the family. So, you know, for me, being a father was an honor. Yeah. And I, try, I always try and look back, what can I learn from what my father and mother did what could I learn from watching other parents? Because, you know, like Laura, my daughter, who learned to drive by watching me. And when she first drove the car, she did it perfectly. And I said, who's been teaching you? she said, no one, I've been watching you. So you learn learn a lot by watching. So as a young father, or as a young married man, before we had children, I used to watch how people raised their kids because I wanted to learn. And I learned from my own parents. So for me... When Laura was born and then when Emma was born, I quickly recognized that they were two different children. So Laura was sanguine, very outgoing, very spontaneous. Emma was high thinker, sit in a room and read a book. So as a father, I tried to, to treat them like an individual. Like, okay, Laura needs this. That's her needs of her temperament. That's what she needs as a child. And that's what Emma needs. And I don't think I always got it right. I know Emma's here today and she'll tell you. I used to annoy her. I used to, because she was quiet, and I sometimes used to try and stir her up because I'm probably a little bit more like Laura, a bit more spontaneous. But, you know, I soon learned that it's, it doesn't work. You know, Laura, Emma doesn't respond to that. She just gets angry. Where Laura would just laugh it off and you, you're stupid dad, and you know it would no be no big deal. But I think when you look at your children, our children are so special. They're such a package of potential. Yeah, that's good. This morning when we got up, I I was having fun with Flynn. We stayed at Emma and Jamie's last night. On my new air mattress worked really well. <laughs> Queen bed. But I went upstairs and I just prayed for Flynn. And I was serious. I just prayed over his life. I said, Lord, let let your purpose. Because you can see Flynn, you know, and all their three children have a fantastic potential. But I just see in Flynn there's something about him. You know, there's something about the youngest. And, and just sort of seeing. And so as a parent, you're trying to tap into that potential. So, so I always saw myself as we were parents first and church second.
0: So good. Church would
1: never take priority. If, if I felt my se- family was suffering, I would have left the ministry in a second. Yeah. Because for me, at the end of the day, my family is what? And that's what gives me yeah. the opportunity now to write a book on fathering. And by the way, if you ever wondered why I was so slow to write it, I, I said, to this, said to Graham Kirkwood recently, I felt I could never write a book while I was paid to pastor a church. And that doesn't, doesn't make me, all you're a good, you know, it's just how I felt. I felt like I couldn't write a book while my job was to pastor a church. But now I'm free, I am writing the book. And it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm praying, I say to Carl all the time, you set me up, I hope mine's a number one bestseller too. <laughs> That's great.
2: Um, so how long have you guys been married? 40, oh, four. 44 years. So the next question... Based around marriage, is what advice would you give for having and maintaining a strong relationship in your marriage? One of the things I always say is uh, be a good forgiver. (laughs) You know, because uh, put you in the room with another person and you have conflict straight away because no one sees the world like you do. And at the end of the day, we, we can't understand why, why... Why don't you see it my way? I want to be right, you know? And so sometimes you have to forsake that... that uh, what's that? Privilege of being right. And you have to admit sometimes, well, I was wrong. And so you have to be a good forgiver. Um, but you have to be a good um, asker of forgiveness. Does that make sense? You have to be able to not only receive forgiveness... And give forgiveness, but you you know you have to be able to actually say, "What I did to you was wrong. What I said to you was very hurtful. I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And I'll try not to do it again." You know, you can only say that. You can't make promises that you can't keep. But you know, uh, would you please forgive me? That that's a humbling thing, and it's something you have to do yourself, isn't it? You know, never never ask God to humble you. But I just think that's one of one of the keys.
1: You got to be a good forgiver, and you have to be a good lover. And we heard that yesterday. Uh, I have never, in all my days, and I've been in the church since I was five years of age. I have never heard anyone speak with such authority, like Patricia did yesterday, without any awkwardness, without any weirdness. It was absolutely amazing, and uh, so so life giving, and uh, and so so powerful. So. I I just think in married life... You know, we came from two different cultures. A New Zealander marrying a Scot. So her father wanted me to get married in a kilt. And I thought, well, I ain't getting married in no kilt because I'm not from Scotland. That seems weird. So we had a lot of challenges at the beginning. And we've had a lot of challenges, I think, with our culture and with our temperaments. uh, But I think we've worked on and realised that for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death, us do pass... That, that was the vow we made to each other. And so when we had challenges in our first three years of marriage, and, uh, and it was a really tough time, and there was lots of times when Marilyn said to me, well, just leave me and go and find someone else. I said, no, we made a commitment. We'll see this through. And, and I think when you work on stuff and you, and you stay committed, it's, it's amazing the reward is at the other end, you know, isn't it? At this stage of life, yeah. Yeah. your grandkids are, are a reward. Uh, Longevity is a reward and you get to a position uh, where you're in a strong spot because uh, you know, you've got to really work on healthy marriages. It doesn't just happen. I think it was Donna uh, Crouch, I think yeah. she coined the phrase, you don't flute good marriages and you don't flute good kids. You've got to work on it.
2: Yeah. I, I actually remember the day that um, we, we had just gotten engaged and we were standing on the seafront um on an island called Millport, which is off the west coast of Scotland, where Kevin was actually based at the time, because he was um, working in a ministry called YWAM. And we were working together in that ministry, helping to pioneer it in Scotland. And we stood on the seafront, and I don't even remember what I was wearing. I was wearing a blue blazer. Do you remember that? No, you don't remember that. <laughs> I'm the the thinker in the partnership here. Um, I remember all these funny details, but I do distinctly remember standing there uh, and we we looked each other in the eye we said, when we're we're married, we will never even mention the word divorce. Like, divorce will never be plan B. Like, there will never be a plan B because we both believed that God had really engineered our coming together and, and we knew that we... Yeah. were to be married in the purpose of God. Yeah. And uh, I, I just think I always go back to that. And it was interesting that we actually made that vow to each other before we were married. And then the first three years of our marriage were absolute hell. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. And, and the first three years gave both of us an excuse to walk out. Yeah. Truly.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of us have faced... A struggle in our marriage at times and had challenging times and obviously for you guys as you mentioned in that first three years for others it might be after seven eight nine ten years what's some practical things that you did or, or that you could suggest for us that you did through those hard times to be able to help you kind of get through and go you know what Let's try and get back focused on what we need to be focused on here, and keep the marriage strong, and really build through those seasons. And what some of the things you learnt from that as well.
1: I think one of the things that I said this to the singles group yesterday. I think one of the things that we need in our life is one or two really trusted friends. Yeah, that's good. So I have, you know, if if I think of someone like Brian Houston who knows me probably better than my own brothers. I can go to Brian, and I can talk to him about anything which i 've done, yeah. and I think that trusted friend can help you get through challenge. You can go to prayer, of course we can we can pray and ask God, but sometimes you need someone to give you perspective yeah. and so I think someone like Brian who is a really trusted friend yeah. uh, and, and I can talk about, and so I, you know when we were going through some tough seasons. I had someone like him that I could just go to. Same in ministry, same in life, same in father. You know, I had someone who I could... Yeah. And John Pennycook was the other one, pastor up on the Central Coast, who had four beautiful girls and had raised them fantastic. And I thought, that man can teach me how to be a good father.
0: Wow. So, so
1: I asked a lot of questions.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's great. I
2: can honestly say that um, one of our motto verses for our marriage has been Proverbs 3, um, 5 and 6. But um, I've just recently gotten into the the Passion Translation and I just thought it would be good to read it in the Passion. It's absolutely amazing. It says, Trust in the Lord completely. (laughs) You could stop there and sort of think about that for a year. (laughs) Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you. And he will lead you in every decision you make. So particularly thinking about hard times I guess. Become intimate with him. In whatever you do. And he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him. With undivided devotion. And avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment. Your body and spirit long for. Glorify God with all your wealth. Honoring him with your very best, yeah. with every increase that comes to you. Then, every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Yeah. That's, good. Well, That's yes. amazing, right? Yeah. And um, that has been our guiding motto verse, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, for our marriage. Yeah, yes. I love that. Well, we've talked about family, you know, we've talked about marriage, so what are some words of wisdom or uh, some advice or some encouragement for some of our young or older single people in our church? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I talked to the singles yesterday. We had a good time. But um, I always just say, look, be the best you that you can be. Find your identity in Jesus, yeah. really. Don't be the person that needs someone else. You know, you don't need anyone else to complete you. You're already complete in Christ. If your identity is in Jesus, you don't need anyone in your life. But we're still called to love one another. It's not not that we push people aside. I'm just saying you don't need anyone to make you a whole person. You're already a whole person. And uh, I was telling the singles yesterday, the word single actually means separate, unique, whole And when you believe that you have all of the Father's love, you have all of his approval, and whatever your temperament is and whatever your emotional needs are, God can meet every one of them, as well as the spiritual needs that all of us have, you know, total commitment. I mean, we're all looking for someone who'll be totally committed to us. Well, who can do that totally except God? And who can totally understand you except God who made you? You know, so... I just think it's, it's a journey, though, isn't it? Because when we got married, both of us were pretty insecure. Um, and I thought I was happy being single. But I honestly believe... And I was happy being single. I wasn't looking to be married. That's why I say we knew that God had put us together. But um, I really believe that marriage was God's tool, or is God's tool, for shaping me into who I am today. Because... He's had to do a lot of shaping and, and as I always tell people, it's the, it's the becoming one that's the painful thing because I've been becoming for 44 years and I still haven't become yet what God wants me to be fully but I'm getting there. you know I haven't arrived but I've left and, uh, and so you just got to be secure in him and, and as you're secure in him then everything else works out and if he wants you to be married he'll bring the right person along.
1: And I think if you can look at your single days as preparation for your married days, you'll have a great, you'll change your thinking. I think if we could, all of us, when you get older, we wind the clock back. We've learned from what we mm. should have done or could have done. <laughs> and I sure think back and I think, you know, I should have been more serious about education. I Perhaps shouldn't have left school when I was 15. I probably should have worked harder. But you can't, but you can, sh- we can share with the younger yeah. And tell them, listen, from what I learned and the mistakes I've made, this is how it could be for you. So I think being single is fantastic because God's preparing you for that person. He's going to bring two together. I mean, who would have thought? Marilyn, born in Scotland, me born in New Zealand. How could God bring us together from two different parts of the world? But it was all part of a process that God had. That God earmarked her, God earmarked me, and, you know, and brought us together. So I, I think we can believe, I know the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, but I think we just got to find God. Because when we find God in the midst of our singleness, God can bring the right person you know, into our world. So I think being single is a chance to prepare yourself, to be wise with your money, learn to be self-disciplined and uh, and get ready. And who says you have to be married by a certain age? Singles. Don't think as the world thinks, you know, you've got to be married by a certain time, have children by a certain time. Who says? you just just got to let God. He's got a timetable. Trust God's timetable for you because you've got the advantage. And even if you're divorced and, you know, you made some mistakes, well, as I always say, it's not the unpardonable sin. You can just pick yourself up, get on with your life, and who knows what God's going to do and build your future. It's amazing how God can work.
0: That's great. What about for people that are, are raising kids? And talking about we've talked a little bit about family before, but when you're raising a strong-willed child, I'm just asking this question for a friend.
2: We have two, I wonder where they get them
0: from. <laughs> What's some practical things that you've learned over the years in, in raising like a, a strong-willed child? You know, you've got two great daughters that are strong in their own right and successful in their lives doing what they're doing, but You know their formative years, and as they're raising up children, teenagers. How did you? What's some practical things you did when they were really strong-willed, and you're trying to discipline them? That you're trying to take them through the journey of helping them, you know, get on the right path.
1: I I just think we've got to learn to be patient as parents. We want perfection. We want. We want our kids. Our kids aren't perfect. They are born in sin. And and so they're not perfect, and and we 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 kind of they think we well, you've got my family name, you should behave like this, but the reality is our kids are kids, yeah. Yeah. and it's our job to bring out the very best to them. And I think in any relationship, you bring out the best or you bring out the worst. And I think you can bring out the best by being patient, by being by let the fruit of the spirit be the outworking of your life. And as a parent, you know don't you know you're so sometimes we're so aware. Of, what will someone think of my child? You know, what will someone think? You know, who cares? You know, like, don't worry about it. Just, just raise raise them the best way you can. And it's often the rebellious who make the great leaders, that make the great world changes. So sometimes we write, you know, school teachers write kids off. You'll never amount to. It. How many times have you heard that? You'll never amount to anything, and they become a world beater. So thank God that God. So I just think we've just gotta be patient and, and, and just work the process. Definitely be consistent.
0: Yeah. You've
1: got to be consistent. You've got to be consistent with your however you discipline, however whatever your method is, be consistent. And and but most of all love your kids. Love them. And when they do the worst things, you love them anyway because you just forgive them because you're training them. You're yeah. training a child, and training is hard work. It's two steps forward and maybe four back. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's constant, 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 yes. and you and you just don't raise perfect kids. Yeah, yeah. but you love them.
2: Yeah, I, I think um, I always think about the the phrase that I read in a, a book somewhere. This woman, Barbara, somebody, and, and the only thing I remember about her book was she said, uh, "There's no perfect parent." Uh, God was the only perfect parent and look what happened to his kids <laughs> you know so when you put that in perspective it's like oh yeah that's right we're all flawed <laughs> but I, if I could just add to what Kevin said I think with particularly with a strong willed child and I, I think um, both of our children were strong willed in different <coughs> ways but Maybe Emma was particularly stronger-willed than, than Laura, didn't like to be told what to do. And I think the, the thing that we used to say to our kids was, and it was a bit of a mantra, again, in our house, um, if they had done wrong, um, we would say to them, because uh, there's a scripture um, in Colossians, I think it says, um, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Or, or some translation says, Obey your parents, for this is pleasing to the Lord. So I would say, parents, bring your children to Jesus as soon as you can. You know, teach them about Jesus. Teach them that we as parents want to please Jesus. And, and we want you children to, to know what it is to please Jesus. Right? And so then we would, we would teach them that verse... Obey your parents in the Lord, because this, this is pleasing to the Lord. And then we would say to them, It doesn't pay and they would always answer
0: to disobey. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't disobey. pay
2: Doesn't pay to disobey, right? Um, because that's what and we used to say that's what that's what the Bible tells us. We've asked God to help us to know how to raise you, because we would like you to grow up to love God. Yeah. And, uh, and so with discipline, it was, it was always a bit like that. We would, you know, sometimes they would have to be punished for rebellious things. But I, I think you teach them to submit their will to God. The strong-willed child needs to learn early to submit their will to their parents, right? This is what we want for you. We ask you to do something. We expect you to do it straight away. You know, that's what obedience is. Because you're training them to want to obey God as an adult, that's what you're doing. You're training your children for godly living. So it doesn't Good. pay to disobey.
0: I reckon we could get shirts made up for kids. It doesn't <laughs> pay to I don't
2: think I could ever see Emma Happel doing anything wrong. <laughs> I
0: know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was quietly naughty.
2: <laughs> she was like, bring it on. <laughs>
0: Ah, oh, that's awesome. So finally, just talking about friendship, how important have you found good friendships in your life over the different seasons, the different years of your life, the challenges, the good times? How important have you found having good quality friends and why has that been important for you? I think to have
1: good friends, you've got to be a loyal friend. Yeah. So I think I'm very loyal to my friends. I'm very protective yeah. and I'll defend them. But if I feel there's something amiss, then I will talk to them privately, but I'll never publicly criticise them. So I I think you've got to be a loyal friend to have good friends. And I think people pick up on that loyalty and that trust. And so I really value great friendship. And and I appreciate people, you know, that God's brought across our path. So, you know, I don't have many school friends. You know, I I can't go back to school reunions in New Zealand because... You know, I just don't remember many of my friends at school. <laughs> but uh, Certainly in church life, I've got a lot of friends that go back many years. You know, you, they come up on Facebook or suddenly they appear, you know. I've got some friends who have gone off on, a you know, weird tangents. And, but I still, I still befriend them. I'm not, they're not the enemy. Yeah. So I'll just be the best friend I can be to them. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I'm the same. I don't have a lot of friends from school. Um, because again, we've lived in so many different places, we kind of lost touch long ago. But uh, there are three three friends that I still keep in touch with. They all live in the UK, and uh, we just regularly pick up the phone and or do FaceTime. And and even though we don't see each other for maybe ten years at a time, <laughs> um, because the troops back there are very few and far between, um, it's just like you. You know, it was yesterday we talked last. You know, so those kind of friends are hard to come by, but they're worth nurturing. You know, and yeah, yeah maintaining. So you've got to you've got to do your part to maintain the relationship, and not expect them to always do the initiating um, of the connection. Yeah, that's
0: great. I think one of the things that's great about. Um both of you is you're so approachable when it comes to friendship you're easy to talk to you can walk up and talk anytime and I think one of the things that I've really learned from Kevin and Marilyn is that they don't have kind of like church life Kevin and Marilyn family life Kevin and Marilyn over here their social life Kevin and Marilyn over here they're just the same person wherever they are and I think that's a great principle. We talk about honesty, but when I look at you both, I would say you are honest people for how you live your life. Yeah. And, um, you know, you know what Kev's thinking. You know, he's going he's to be honest in every season. You know, same with Ma. are going to be honest in every single season and every person that, that they're around. They're just real. And, uh, and I think that's a rare thing in our world. And I think when it comes to relationships, people respect that over the years and over the seasons. And I look at Kevin and and I see a lot of long-term friends in their life. Yeah. And I think that's because they've done that journey and they've been that safe place and they've been that honest person and uh, it might hurt in the short term, but in the long term, the truth will set you free. And uh, and I really love that about you. I think that's a great principle for us, for when it comes to raising kids, being in marriage, in our friendships, to just be the same person. Let's not just be so great at church and then when we get in our workplace, be the grumpy person. have a smile on our face, hands up on a Sunday, but then at a workplace on a Monday morning, we're the grumpy person no one wants to talk to. Let's be the same person. Oh, yeah. Let's take the love of God that's in us into every area of our lives and spheres of influence as well. So Kevin and Marilyn, I would love if you could pray for us. Pray for our relationships as we are about to close in a moment. Pray that they'd be strong and healthy and pray for us as a church. We'd really appreciate that. Why
1: don't we stand and uh, can, we, can we just reach out our hands to... Come on, we're reaching our hands to each other but let's pray for ben and amy and uh, pray for each other and father we just love you we thank you for city church father we thank you for its future lord the best days are ahead without a doubt lord you've got so much in store so many prophetic promises that have been spoken that are yet to be fulfilled and so lord we thank you today and so we thank you for each other we thank you for the strong sense of family here today And Father, we pray for Ben and Amy. We just ask you, Lord, to continue to grant them wisdom in their leadership as they take this church forward into its future. Really pray for them. We pray for them as parents. We pray for them as lead pastors. And Father, we just pray your rich blessing over them and for every one of us here today. In whatever challenge and whatever season we're in, good or bad, difficult or challenging, whatever it might be, Lord, we pray. Grant us your wisdom. Help us, Lord Jesus, to keep our eyes on you. You're the author. You're the finisher of our faith. And Lord, we all have so much to learn. We never stop learning. And so, Father, I just pray today, let your peace be the umpire in our life. And Lord, let us be guided by your presence. So, Father, thank you for this weekend. We thank you for the words that Patricia spoke from this platform. That will be life-changing for so many of us. And Lord, for every one of us as we leave today and go into our new week, we pray, Father, for blessing and we thank you for the optimism that we feel, Lord. We feel the future is bright and we thank you for all that you're going to do. We honor you and we love you and we thank you. Continue to build your church. You said that you will build your church and the gates of Hades will never provide against it. We're confident because you build, we disciple. So we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: Amen.